Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis, and this week's topic comes to you thanks to one of my nearly 500,000 podcast listeners, Jill Singer. She contacted me on my Full Rigor podcast Instagram page, and she says that she's lived or she did live in South and Central Florida from the 1970s to the 1990s. And she says, I love your podcast. And the mother of twin men and Full Rigor aficionado did recommend that I look into the disappearance of Tiffany Sessions. She's a South Florida girl from Miami who disappeared in Gainesville almost 30 years ago. Now, I lived and worked in Gainesville around that same time, the same time as Tiffany Sessions disappeared. In fact, my first job in television was as the weekend anchor at WCJB Channel 20, the ABC affiliate in Gainesville, the only game in town. I think they get CBS from Jacksonville and they get NBC from Orlando. At least they did back then. This would have been from 1986 to 1989 that I was there. And at that time, I also ran daily, pretty much, along the roadways in Gainesville. And in hindsight, I am lucky that I didn't fall prey to the same fate as Tiffany Sessions, who was plucked off the side of the road while on a routine walk near a pine stand and construction site, never to be seen again. In Gainesville, you know, it's in North Florida, Alachua County. It's home of the University of Florida, so it's a college town. And on Saturdays in the fall, you'll see lots of blue and orange vans and SUVs with gator flags flying as they head to the swamp to watch a gator football game. Now, Gainesville looks more like Vermont than South Beach. It's just not very Florida-y. It has rolling hills and more pine trees and palm trees. Sometimes in the winter, there's even a light dusting of frost or snow on the ground some mornings when the temperatures fall below 40 degrees. Now, I like Gainesville. It really seemed like a very safe town, but it hosted not one but two serial killers. One, the suspect in the Tiffany Sessions disappearance, and of course, Danny Rowling, known as the Gainesville Ripper. A serial killer who murdered five students in Gainesville over four days in late August of 1990. Now, if you want to find out more about the Gainesville Ripper, you can go to my Danny Rowling episode 28, the death row swan song of Danny Rowling. Mr. Rowling died of lethal injection right there in Rayford, Stark Prison in Florida, October 25th, 2006. Good riddance, Mr. Rowling. Thank you so much. So what is the story about Tiffany Sessions? The 20-year-old college student, she went to the University of Florida. She was from Miami. Her parent, Pat Sessions, was a marketing manager. So he knew how to market things, which is going to come in handy. She disappeared on February 9th, 1989. She was a junior at the University of Florida. So she had been around Gainesville and on campus for two years. She was familiar with the area. And Tiffany went on one of her frequent power walks and disappeared, never to be seen again, which is really worrying to me as a runner. Her parents were freaking out right after she went missing. Pat and Hillary rushed from Miami to Gainesville. And here's what her dad, Pat, told CBS 48 Hours. We were all trying to get a handle on what possible explanation? Did she have a boyfriend nobody knew about? She didn't have her wallet, her driver's license, her car was there. And that was the scary part. Now, her mom, Hillary, had just seen her at Christmas. So that would have been like a month and a half before her disappearance in February. She came up to me and she gave me a hug. And it was a hug that I've never had before. It was a very, very long hug. And she gave me a big kiss and she said, Mom, I love you. 
Which is a really fortunate memory to have if that's going to be your last memory of your loved one before that loved one goes missing. That's a good one to have. Her last words being, I love you, is a great memory. I mean, some people aren't so fortunate. They have arguments or they say horrible things before somebody goes missing or is killed and that's their last memory. It sucks. Now, Jim Eckerd was one of the lead detectives in 1989. She would have been wearing some kind of a sweatsuit. This woman literally vanished off the face of the earth. 20 detectives worked Tiffany Sessions' case over the past decades. It was handed off from one to another, and it's never been solved. Well, I think it's been solved in terms of who took her. But up until today, detectives have nada. No leads, no physical evidence. It was pretty obvious we were in a huge problem. If anything was going to turn up then, it would have turned up in that search. Right after Tiffany went missing, there were hundreds of people that searched for her. Even to this day, they continue to search and nothing has ever been found. So as I said, Pat, her dad, was a marketing expert and he brought in high profile pitchmen like Miami Dolphins QB Dan Marino, John Walsh, whose son was killed, Adam Walsh, Jeb Bush, at the time a Florida politician. He would later serve as the 43rd governor of Florida from 1999 to 2007. If you want to go to episode 22 of my Full Rigor podcast, it's called Who Really Kidnapped and Decapitated Adam Walsh? Of course, his dad, John Walsh, began the show America's Most Wanted after his son was brutally murdered here in South Florida. Well, meanwhile, Pat Sessions coordinated one of the biggest private searches in Florida history for his daughter. 700 people searched the swamps near her walking route. Now, he put Tiffany's face on billboards. There was a hotline number that was answered 24-7. Flyers were up everywhere around the university. No leads and no physical evidence. And after 30 years, how long will Tiffany's father, Pat, continue to look for his little girl? Oh, I, I think till the day I die. How do you not look for your kid? And Hillary Sessions is hopeful that the remains or at least evidence will be found of her daughter. Hillary Sessions said that God told her that she had to learn patience. Indeed, she's still out there looking for her daughter and she's not going to give up. 25 years later now, a suspect emerges, Paul Rolls. He was the lead suspect in the disappearance of Tiffany Sessions. Now, he was a known serial killer. His last known victim was Elizabeth Foster. She was found in 1992. Well, her body was found one mile from where Tiffany Sessions disappeared. Now, Paul Rolls had left behind an address book and had scribbled the date 2989 and the number two. Does that ring a bell? Right. February 9th, 1989 was the day Tiffany Sessions went missing. And number two could have meant that she was his second victim. Now, this guy, Paul Rolls, was a pizza delivery man. Maybe he delivered pizza to Tiffany. Maybe he knew her that way. He also worked at a construction site near where she walked. She walked to the pine trees and by the construction sites. Out in the nature. I mean, Gainesville's very, you know, naturey. Lots of Birkenstocks and hairy toes. I guess that would really be more organic. There's a lot of nature in Gainesville, put it that way. And nearby Silver Springs, where they have glass bottom boats, mermaids, and spider monkeys. In fact, Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings wrote The Yearling in the backwoods of Cross Creek, right there in North Florida. There's actually a Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings Historic State Park that's closed now because of COVID, but it's open most of the year there in the Ocala area. It's got beautiful forests through that stretch. So unfortunately, apparently, Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings was an alcoholic because there wasn't much to do in North Florida in the sticks, in the woods, except drink. And of course, write. She wrote The Yearling, which is about a little boy who adopts a baby fawn 
actually the book won a Pulitzer Prize in 1939, and then it was made into a movie of the same name. And have you noticed a little theme here? Her name, her last name is Rawlings. You've got the killer Rolls, and you've got the other serial killer, Rolling. That is weird. And there's a little restaurant by her house, and they actually serve alligator bites, which taste like chicken. Anywho, back to Tiffany Sessions. One of the final detectives to investigate Tiffany Sessions' cold case spoke at the Sheriff's Community Crime Summit on November 3rd, 2014. Detective Kevin Allen is a cold case homicide detective with Alachua County Sheriff's Office in Gainesville, Florida. Kevin has been in law enforcement for over 30 years and is retired from the city of Fort Lauderdale Police Department. His entire career has been as an investigator and he has been assigned to the homicide division, robbery, sexual battery, child abuse, and he formed the RICO squad at the Fort Lauderdale PD. Detective Allen holds a bachelor's degree from St. Thomas University, Miami, and has received extensive training in interview and interrogation, cold case investigation, and DNA analysis. So Detective Kevin Allen, you got to give it up for this guy because just before Rolls died, he was able to connect him to the disappearance of Tiffany Sessions. And he described what he found inside Rolls' address book. Welcome, Kevin Allen. Again, my sheriff gets involved, you know, at the top. You know, she's a sheriff. She's got a lot of other stuff going on. I email her. She gets back with me 30 seconds later, 30 seconds. And she says, go down and get his property. He's been in prison all that time. Maybe he wrote something down. Maybe there's something in his property. Great instincts. One of the first, and I do it, of course. You know, I'm a detective. She's the boss. Um, I open up this whole box of writings. And, you know, he's nuts. He's written all these crazy things down uh, repeatedly. But there's a little address book. Inside this address book is 2989. If any date is permanently etched in my memory, it's February the 9th, 1989. That's the day Tiffany was abducted. The number two? I'd done some research on this guy at this point. Linda Fighter was his first victim. Tiffany Sessions, chronologically, would have been his second victim. I call the FBI. I, I know they have an open kidnapping case. I'm gonna need some resources. We have a possible link to Tiffany Sessions' uh, abduction. They said he wrote it, and they reopened the case. I've got a lot of resources now. I go back to the address book. He documents every one of his victims, Linda Fido. Linda also was a 20-year-old college student, um, beautiful, kind young lady. Paul Rolls lived right across the hall from her at an apartment complex in Miami. He was a stalker. He got to know her schedule. This is from his confession in 1972 for his first murder. He broke into Linda's apartment to have sex with her. He armed himself with a knife. He approached her from behind with a hand over her mouth and a knife to her throat. That's his MO. The victim screamed and began to struggle. He choked her to death. And he tried to have sex with her post-mortem, stabbed her in the breast because he really doesn't like women, post-mortem. And just to be sure, he dragged her into her own bathtub and held her underwater for five minutes. He's not a nice guy. Unfortunately, a month after police began questioning roles about Tiffany, he died in prison and there was no deathbed confession. If there's any justice, he died of lung cancer. He wasn't comfortable when I talked to him. I tried to talk the nurses into bringing down the sedation, but I, I couldn't talk him into it. He died of sepsis and multi-organ failure. He basically had lung cancer. So Rolls was so sick and drugged up in the end, he was never able to reveal the location where he dumped Tiffany Sessions' body. 
According to police, Sessions had left her Casablanca East apartment on Southeast 35th Place for a walk when she vanished February 9th, 1989. And she was wearing a distinctive Rolex watch, which could be a key piece of evidence if it's ever found. Now, an extensive search was done after her disappearance, especially in 2014 on a piece of land on U.S. 441 at Williston Road. It's near where the remains of a Santa Fe College student, Elizabeth Foster, were found in 1992. Santa Fe College is the community college for those who can't get into the University of Florida. Foster's remains were found shortly after her abduction and then DNA linked Rolls to her murder. Now, Rolls, again, who died in prison in 2013, was named a Sessions killer after the search at Williston Road. Tiffany's dad, Pat Sessions, describes Rolls. This guy is a scum of the earth. He destroyed three, four families that we know of and their daughters uh, with no remorse. And when, when we tried to talk to him uh, after he became uh, a serious suspect, both in Beth and in Tiffany's case, he just couldn't, he wouldn't talk to anybody. No remorse, no anything. On this 25th anniversary of Tiffany's disappearance, I want to assure you, the community, and the Sessions family that the FBI will remain vigilant in assisting Alachua County and finding her. Investigators with the Alachua County Sheriff's Office, the FBI and FDLE and other law enforcement agencies held a press conference to announce a prime suspect. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for being here. This has been a long journey. In specifics to this case, what has happened is there was a DNA connection made with uh, Beth Foster, whose remains were found in the wooded area behind me, uh, and with a man by the name of Paul Rolls. Paul Rolls has a horrible history of violent crimes uh, against women, murder, rape, kidnapping. But um, when he died, we seized evidence, uh, items from his cell, which led us to uh, the point in this case where all indicators have pointed to him. He was in this community. He murdered in this community uh, Beth Foster. He had made comments about this site being a dump site. Uh, and, 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 and it turned out to be the case when Beth was found here in 1992. He was in this area at the time of Tiffany's disappearance. He worked at a business here and did not work on the day and night of her disappearance. Uh, there were various other indicating of sightings of him. And then for us, what has been uh, significant was the journal entry on his calendar in his cell from the items that, he was, that, that were seized, the notation number two, 2989, which is the day that Tiffany went missing and has never been seen since, and she is presumed to be dead. He had been convicted. This wasn't his first rodeo. He had been convicted of murdering Linda Fida of Miami. In 1972, he choked her and stabbed her in the breast. She died. He was sentenced to life in prison, but he was paroled in 1985. Detective Kevin Allen explains what happened. Well, the defense attorney figures he's going to get the electric chair, so he pleads him up. He pleads him guilty. He wants to get life in prison without the possibility of parole. The state attorney on the case, James Woodard, said, the offense committed was one of the most brutal murders he'd ever seen, and that's in Miami. Uh, He should never be considered for parole. Mr. Woodard actually sat in and monitored the confession when he sat down. He said he never heard such a cold-blooded confession in his life. The judge on the case, Judge Rifkin, said that the defendant should stay in prison for the rest of his life. He should never see the light of day. He pled guilty. 
life in prison without the possibility of parole. I was a homicide detective in Fort Lauderdale in the same time frame. The average sentence for life in prison was 10 to 15 years in the 80s, after the Mariel Boatlift. So he's sentenced to life in prison, yet he's released in 1985. He moves to Gainesville in 1988. Six months later, Tiffany disappears. In 1994, he was sentenced to 19 years in prison for kidnapping and sexually assaulting a Clearwater teenager. When Rolls kidnapped the teenager, he drove her to his home in Jacksonville. Along the way, he stopped in Gainesville and passed a wooded area where he told the victim, this, quote, is the kind of place people dump things they don't want to be found again. So that's according to detectives who interviewed that surviving victim named Laura. In fact, Laura is Rolls' only known surviving victim. He put a knife to her throat and he said, if you don't cooperate, I'm going to stick this six inches into your heart. She's like 14 years old. He brought his own duct tape. He duct taped her eyes shut, her hands behind her back. He brought a raincoat for her and dark glasses. He had a lot of plans for Laura. So he went to the steak and shake, actually bought her a burger, then brought, drove about a mile from there, pulled up into the woods, and he offered her lunch. He raped her there put her back in the car and brought it to his own apartment in Jacksonville. He had a lot of plans for Laura and he told her that, uh, that he was going to have her several times over many days. Laura was a very resilient kid. Uh, she knew she was going to die. Um, she told Paul Rolls that if he made her something to eat and let her watch a little TV, maybe she could relax a little bit and then she could be more cooperative. Paul Rolls went into the kitchen to make her a TV dinner and when the bell rang on the microwave, she ran out the door completely naked, ran into a, a neighbor called 911. He was arrested very soon thereafter. No big surprise here, um, his biggest disturbances were in the sexual realm. He was under constant pressure when he saw women, and he had urges that were so strong he basically could not control them. That's what he told his first uh, psychiatrist. They sent him to South Florida State Mental Hospital. He was only evaluated one more time professionally by any psychiatrist or psychologist. This was in 1994 after his last victim. He started having these fantasies when he was 11 or 12 years old. It was all about the same thing, domination and rape of women. And the Miami prosecutor and the judge in 1972 knew this about Rolls. They knew he was a sick guy. They knew that he wanted to attack women. And the system still let him out on parole in 1985 to rape and kill again. Now, the difference between Rolls and Danny Rowling is significant because Rolls hid his bodies. He had dump sites, whereas Rowling would cut off their heads, put the heads by mirrors, the bodies to terrify whoever came upon the crime scene, especially police. So he left his victims to be seen. In this case, Rolls hid his victims, like Tiffany, who was never found. Despite the use of cadaver dogs and hundreds of law enforcement and volunteers to look for her, her parents still don't have their daughter. We need your help to try and close this case because I know it can be closed. We just need that little piece of information that somebody has. And um, I want to make sure that um, you're not going to get prosecuted. You're not going to be um, uh, having to go to any trial um, to talk about this because Paul Rolls is dead and there isn't any possibility of a trial. So please come forward. Um, it's very important that for me that I find out because this is my only baby. She's my masterpiece and I just want everybody to know that has been a 25-year struggle, and um, um, it would be nice to be able to um, put her to rest after all these years. 
And this brings up another story that just happened. The remains of Cindy McDonald of Fort Pierce were found lying along I-95 in St. Lucie County. Some guy had to pull over because he had a flat tire, and he looked, and there was this woman lying beside the road, 57-year-old Cindy Marie McDonald. Investigators say while they're working this death investigation as a homicide, they're not going to share details of Cindy McDonald's death. That's according to the St. Lucie County Sheriff's Chief Deputy, Gary Wilson. If you recognize Cindy McDonald or had any contact with her in the days leading up to Tuesday, we need them to contact the detectives and share that information. So again, Cindy McDonald's body was found Tuesday, August 4th of this year, and she was found by that motorist just lying beside the road on the southbound side of 95 near the Midway Road exit and police say that she was not killed there that her body was dumped there. There's no indication that she was pushed out of a car. Uh, We believe that she was just put there. The sheriff's office really needs some information from anybody who knew Cindy McDonald knew where she hung out. They don't really know where she was last seen alive. In fact, there were court documents that were sent to her last known address in Fort Pierce and they were returned to sender. Also, her neighbors were questioned and they really didn't remember much about her. We would like to know where the, where she was seen and who she might have been with. And again, she's 57-year-old Cindy Marie McDonald of Fort Pierce. You can go to my Full Rigor Instagram page. I have a photo of her there in case you or somebody that you know recognizes her. You can call Crime Stoppers at 800-458-TIPS. It'd be great if, with your help, Full Rigor Podcasts could solve this crime. And also, the disappearance of Tiffany Sessions. If you have any information to report about the Tiffany Sessions case, you can call the Alachua County Sheriff's Office at 352-955-1818 or the FBI Jacksonville Field Office at 904-248-7000. Of course, all of this can be done anonymously. And as Tiffany's mom said, you don't have to worry about any prosecution because the main suspect is dead. And I want to close this episode of Full Rigor with a call to action to please pick up my true crime book. It took me years to research it and write it. It's called The Accuser, the true crime story about the Big Dan's gang rape victim, Cheryl Arujo. I interviewed her daughters and family, investigated her death in a car accident right here in Miami after the rape trials in the mid-80s, and she moved to Miami to get away from the harassment in Massachusetts after the rapes and the trials. And in 1988, the movie The Accused came out with Jodie Foster. She won an Academy Award. And at that time, they didn't even know that the girl that the movie was based on was actually dead in Miami. So get the book, The Accuser. It's on Amazon, and let me know what you think. That wraps up this episode of Full Rigor. Until next time, check me out on Instagram, Full Rigor Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.